0: Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. Learn more at fruitbowlpodcast.com.
1: My name is Shavit, and I'm 31 years old. Um, I was born and raised and lived all my life till I was 22. On a small, um, it's called a moshav. It's in the south of Israel. It's a socialist agricultural community.
0: This interview was recorded in July of 2019 in San Francisco.
1: There are different forms of, of the spectrum of socialism that exists there. There's a kibbutz, which is a bit more famous, and there's a moshav, which is less famous. The kibbutz is more communist, and then people less have homes. The kids don't grow up with their, fa- with their families. They grow up in kids' homes. Um, and that's way more extreme and communist is the word, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and a Moshav is more socialist, there's more freedoms. Usually people have their own homes and their own fields, but the work can be communal or they pool all their harvest together and sell it as a, as a group. Um, ours was not that crazy, um, but the, the, the social life was always a big part of the community and everyone's kind of together. It's a very small community also, it's a hundred families so it's easy. Um, So there's my dad, who's a father figure for sure. Um, He's the American side of my family. That's why I can be here, essentially. Um, He moved to Israel early 70s, met my mom. She's Israeli, born and raised, and they had my older brother, myself, and my younger sister.
2: Do you know of any other queer people who were in your community?
1: I do now. None of, I, well, I didn't know about anyone back then. Yeah, there are at least two others. And one of them is my best friend's brother. So I was like, oh, I totally see it now. Good for you. Wish you told me. Everyone was very open and liberal and forward thinking. It was a very good society or whatever you want to call it. But it was not okay for it to be. It's okay if it's, like, someone else's kid or brother or whatever. That's their problem. As long as it's not you. You can't be the problem or, like, to stand
2: out. Because if you'd have known then, it, he, you guys could have been allies. Yeah, or just, like,
1: a a person to help me navigate that life because I definitely went through not the best mentors and guide or guidance people for that, like, coming out and... Realizing I'm gay, working it through it. Um, Me and my dad have a very intense relationship. We just finished like a 10 year, no talking moment. Um, Yeah, I think his father was very good. He passed away a year before I was born so I never got to meet my grandpa. But from what I hear, from what I know about him, he was just like this very stand up person in the community, in the Jewish community. And uh, everywhere he went, he was just kind of this figure. And my dad wants that for himself. I think he falls short sometimes. But child bringing was definitely important to him. And he did a good job. We were all cared for and I had a happy childhood. Things got rocky later on, but that's no one's fault necessarily. But yeah, it was important for him to, to bake us, right? Like that's his job as a parent, to have this finished product at 18. that's acceptable for the world. I'm gonna hate myself for saying this. He's a Scorpio. (laughs) So sexuality is big in his world, which is totally also understandable. Like one of my earliest memories about sex is also him jerking off. I would never catch him or see it actively, but like at one point the computer room that we had eventually was locked. And it was just him inside, like, smoking, drinking, jerking off.
2: How are you sure that he was jerking off?
1: Because I knew how to do the search history better than him, and I saw what websites he would go on to, and I would find his porn as well.
2: Okay, so he had his own stash.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I found his porn. I found his passwords to websites later on when those became um, a bigger thing in my teen years. Um, Yeah, I totally use his porn. If he did try to hide it, he did not do a good job. Sex being shameful and this taboo subject in general is also a very American concept. Um, I think in Europe, in the Middle East, less so Muslim countries maybe, um, sex is just more, it's part of life. We all know about it. And like, because I grew up in a small community, (laughs) there are a lot of old stories of like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) There was a guy, he was always old. From the day I remember him, he was old. The day I left the with Shafi, he was still old. And the story was that he fucked his neighbor's wife, and the neighbor caught them and shot them. And that's how he got that injury. But survived, and they were like, okay, we can work through this. So, like, romances, stuff like that was always kind of in the background of the community. Like, we all knew... Like, the original people who founded the community were kind of slutty and got around each other. (laughs) Which is fine. And, like, it's totally, like, a Jewish post-Holocaust thing to just, like, let's make children. I think my first porn was at a friend's house. And we were a mixed group. We were boys and girls. And the guy was like, I just found this in, like, my dad's attic. You want to watch it? It was straight porn, it was a humongous dick. Um, The girls were all like, ew, gross, gross, but everyone was watching it. No one was jerking off and no one took their dick out, but everyone was kind of just like watching it mesmerized. We had TV at home, we had a computer at home as well with internet um, since I was like 15 or 16. And, like, the internet was still, like, dial-up internet, so if you were online, no one could be on the phone situations. But it was, like, in my brother's room, so accessing porn on it was tricky. Definitely got caught multiple times, with straight-ish porn as well. So it was like, oh, it's, it's exploring. There was no queer media in Israel. There barely is now, to be honest. There were some representations in like big movies that were always also problematic and homophobic. Like the biggest movie that had a gay theme when I was a teenager, uh, it's called Yossi and Jagger. It's about two soldiers falling in love and like their story and all that. It actually had some success in the States. It was on Netflix for a long time. Um, But at the end of the movie, one of them dies and at like the funeral and everything, the mom goes to one of the girls and and she was inter- asking her questions as if she was their girlfriend and the girl the girl kind of just assumed that role so the movie wraps up very sadly with the death of one of them and like their relationship being eliminated basically by the family so it was just great movie but also fucked up ending that and like that was representation of gays for so so long um, we never had our own show. Or if you had someone on TV or something, it was the sidekick or the funny, like, femi boy. Yeah, and if we had American, it would be this the same stuff, usually. Oh, my God. <laughs> the talk. Yeah, my dad is insane. in the good and bad. <laughs> so... In Judaism, when you're 13 years old, you have your bar mitzvah, which is the ritual of becoming a man, from a child to a man. And my dad's thing, his shtick, was to take us on a week trip to Europe. We went to Austria and Northern Italy for a week. He rents a car, and we just go from place to place, and during those long drives, we have the talk. So it was a week-long talk. <laughs> about everything, everything. It was somewhat scientific based, like there was talk about pheromones and stuff like that, but it was also like a lot of his opinions that are very southern United States baby boomer person. So, tricky. He's from Virginia. He doesn't understand anal sex. Because, why? <laughs> Bisexual people are greedy. Gay is not okay because it doesn't make sense in nature. He was coming at it from like a very, like, we procreate because that's how the human race survives and like it's enjoyable because why not? So, gay sex to him was just like anal babies don't make it the term, right? So, (laughs) he was just like not okay with it. He somehow threw the Bible into that conversation. He's not a religious person. But short, sure, we pick and choose sometimes. I don't think I fully knew what gay was. I was definitely attracted to both men and women as much as a 13-year-old can process physical attraction and sexual attraction. We talked about transgender only because Dana International is a transgender woman who won the Eurovision for Israel in the late 90s. So that was a conversation. But like he he he's so ignorant about that still to this day, I am a hundred percent sure um, no, the conversation was very like penis, vagina, sex, how it works, what works, um how to be a good man, how to be a good person it was it was the sex talk plus, but no, there was also like a lot of like how to handle situations and being an adult, and just conversations of. Not just sexuality that were kind of good stuff, but the, the other ones are the ones I remember more. Like it wasn't just like hours of him droning and lecturing me between um, tourist sites in northern Italy. Um, it was a conversation and I would ask questions and he would answer. Um, he obviously had his topics uh, that he wanted to cover. Uh, but no, it was a very honest as scientific as he could. Looking back at it, there's a lot more of like his opinions, which I guess is what you do as a father as well. But it was positive overall. Um, And it ended in Rome. (laughs) And he was this close to buying me a prostitute, I think. (laughs) But he got, and like we always shared rooms um, in hotels usually. Um, The last night in Rome, I had my own room with porn in the TV.
2: (laughs) That was intentional.
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Did you indulge? Yes. What did you watch?
1: Oh, straight porn, straight awful European porn. (laughs) It worked, it's 13. came to the States for the first time by myself. I was 14 years old. I <laughs> went to a Jewish summer camp in upstate New York, <laughs> which 100% saved my life. I bought gay porn in Penn Station at 14 years old. And it was amazing. It was like some Playgirl magazine. It was like I knew of Playboy. So when I saw the title Playgirl, I was like, oh, got it. And then every year, I came back four years in a row, every year I would go to that store and buy at least two more magazines and save them. But no, I really quickly kind of understood what I'm more into. Hair was a necessity since very early on. Um, I did save the, the porn magazines under my mattress in camp. And one year, my bunk was extremely rowdy. B6, we're still infamous. So our bunk got searched. A lot of things were confiscated, but my porn was left alone.
2: Sounds as though you didn't have much privacy at the camp, though.
1: You'd be surprised what you can manage. You either take a walk or bathrooms.
2: When you brought it back home, where did you hide it?
1: Under my bed. And was that? Found, yes. (laughs) That
2: was not good. Seems like a really bad idea.
1: Yeah, but I had girlfriends. So it was
2: okay. Was there any conversation with your parents about them finding it? Yeah. How did that go down?
1: Are you gay? No. Okay, good. Don't be. Was mostly the conversations. Um, I think twice they found gay porn. Um, and they were just like, you're not gay, right? No. Good. Um, and then when I came out to my mom... I was 16, and it was more of like, I think I'm bisexual, baby. And my dad was, was more like, you know I'm gay, right? Yes. Good.
2: Goodbye.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but things kind of were not as good as they were when I was 13
2: yeah.
1: by the time I was 18.
2: Mm-hmm. Your your relationship with them had shifted. and Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a result of your being gay?
1: It's so funny because it's not. <laughs> for everyone it is. Like their monumental moment with their dad is like, oh, it came out and you couldn't take it. And they left home. Um, which is not to minimize it for anyone. That's real trauma. And that's legit. Um, truly. Totally. And I mean, and I don't think it was ever a problem because he's kind of fine with it ever since. He's definitely trying to overcompensate for Um, past misdeeds but my mom passed away when I was 17 she had cancer and our family kind of broke apart when she passed away Um, I I was 17 very strong-willed and stubborn and me and my dad would just butt heads about everything and everything and anything I mean he was obviously grieving himself and like kind of lost in the world as a man by himself now, I was obviously lost. Um, and we just couldn't help each other and the way we lashed out at each other was obviously not great and not smart and not good for anyone. It was just kind of free-falled from there. Um, still is, maybe, maybe we're finally on an uptick. It's a process, but it's a, it's a tense relationship. Like, my cousin's wedding three years ago, I brought a male date. Um, And he was cool with it. And he took us out to dinner after. And was, like, as polite as he could be. So, like, the gay was never a big issue. It's definitely because he also doesn't know half the stuff of what gay means. And probably thinks I'm a top. Mm -hmm. He asked me once, how do I meet friends in New York? Like like 95% of my gay or my friends are gay and they're people I've slept with usually for the first time in a group setting back then. It's just like mm, work. I mean, I worked by myself for myself for my apartment but sure. Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense.
2: I, I feel like a lot of queer people's parents have that open disregard for any specifics and they'd rather not know about what happens. And sometimes that works and sometimes it feels mm-hmm. neglectful. Yeah. I personally appreciate it. Like I don't want to go into too many specifics. Like they don't even know I'm making this documentary. Cause I'm just like, I, I don't really care yeah. what their reaction will be. I'm going to do it regardless. And
1: it's just, it's so removed from their lives. Heterosexuals in general, I think. Um, But for so many heteros, it's like, what is this life? And like gay summer events are so like, what? <laughs> or just like a promiscuity in general, sluttiness. Yeah. Um, they're just so freaked out. Yeah, yeah, they don't get it. But for us, it's so natural. Like, yeah, obviously, I went on a vacation to cruise in the, in the woods for sure.
2: <laughs> but we could just tell them, oh, I went camping. <laughs>
1: First time I masturbated, I was definitely not knowing I was masturbating. Um, I was a young, young kid. I can't even tell you. Like, prepubescent. I was just, like, rubbing against my pillow. With ejaculation or not. Usually not. Um, just, like, kind of, like, <laughs> going to sleep thing. And then later on, I would, oh, like, I heard my older brother's friends and him talk about it. And I was like, oh, I am masturbating. Cool. Is this how you do it? And then through like movies and common sense, I figured out
2: how to do it better. It sounds like it was more of a, like an evolution. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And you just sort of got the hang of it. Yeah. Would you use pornography? Yeah. The whole time in the evolution, or just towards the end when you were like, oh, okay, this.
1: When I was a young kid, just doing it in bed, rubbing against my pillow, there was no pornography. It was just like in my head. Even then, it was more male thoughts um it was more of like okay how am I going to sleep now it was just like a count to 100 or do this Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that was more pleasurable later on pornography was introduced and obviously heterosexual pornography was more accessible but even then like I would never look at women porn like just a female body would not do it for me I would go to the hardcore section immediately late and like would jerk off to that later on I would find Gay websites and gay sex and gay porn. And would do that as well as heterosexual hardcore porn.
2: Starting from such a young age and, and knowing that it was guys... What were your preference for performing masturbation? Was there any like guilt associated with that? Was there any kind of identity crisis?
1: Definitely identity. I definitely had an identity crisis between gay porn that I was attracted to and heteronormative life. I was expected to do um it was no shame but i was just like uh what is going on what am i doing am i how am i supposed to have a girlfriend if i want to fuck a boy (laughs) how does that work out and for my early teen years i was very confused about my sexuality am i gay am i bisexual am i straight what does it even mean i had girlfriends i made out with my girlfriends um i used to get hard from girls i at some point stopped um, and started kissing boys and that was way better. So it's just like a slowly gradual, like only girls, girls and boys, just boys evolution of both porn and sexual experiences.
2: Did you have anyone to talk to about any of this?
1: My friends at camp at summer camp. That's why it absolutely saved my life. I made three really, really close female friends back when we were 14. And I came out to them, not even knowing what I was coming out as. And, like, I made out with all three of them at <laughs> summer camp, which is not unheard of. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they were my my rock, my confidant, the people I could back then email, sometimes talk on the phone for hours um, about my thoughts, my th- my feelings, like... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky to have found that. And that's why I absolutely think that summer camp saved my life because I don't know how I would get through my teen years without that and without that outlet. And every year I would go back and experience it more and get into that community more. And that's where also my first gay experiences happened. Um, just because something about an, an environment of teenagers with no adults Like, the oldest person on the site was in his mid-20s. Just lets you be and lets you enjoy yourself and each other. And we were there for three weeks, and there were no phones. No cell phones, no actual phones, no computers, no nothing. Like, you have to be with your friends. And it was just an amazing experience.
2: Sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. I had a similar kind of revelation. I went to a theater camp this summer before my senior year. It was the first time I'd seen gay people, like walk and talk and and exist within a larger culture I was just like oh my god this is possible
1: exactly it was the same for me the camp was the first time I was like oh he's gay like another person who's not me and it's not said derogatorily or as a joke just like yeah that guy is also gay you should go hook up with (laughs) him it was just like that easy (laughs) it's like oh okay
2: Was it hard the first time you came out to your friends at camp?
1: No. And everyone I've come out to since has been super supportive. Yeah. It's awesome. So when I was... 14, 15, I was very much confused by my sexuality, mostly because of society just, like, indoctrinating us and telling us this is what life needs to be. You need to have a girlfriend. You need to fall in love with a woman. You need to have sex with a woman. like, gay life really was not fully represented as an option for me. I did have, like, a f- removed gay cousin, but, like, the the thing I remember my parents saying about him is that You don't want his life. It's so difficult. It's like, being gay is fine, but like, why would you? That was kind of the vibe. The people I found that I could learn about being gay from are probably not the best people. When I was like 15, the guy who was in charge of the high school newspaper slash copy slash substitute teacher was very flamboyantly gay i um, and very obviously into me, and we had like a good six month, I don't want to call it a relationship, but a very like physical moments. We never had anal, but it was more about like talking and you're obviously gay and I'm thinking I'm gay. What can you tell me? Like, does this feel good? Does this not feel good? Um, but it was a very, very negative relationship. In hi- I mean, like, in hindsight, I'm fine. Like, he never raped me. Nothing bad happened to me. But he was definitely working an angle for himself to get with me and not to make me comfortable or independent or in terms with my gay self. It was just, like, for him to get off with a 16-year-old, 15-year-old. So looking back at it, not the best but, I mean, it helped, it, it it. like I was having girlfriends, but I didn't get excited for them anymore, and then I just didn't know how to meet other men. And he was obviously gay, he hit all the stereotypes, so it was just like an easy like, are you gay? Yeah, I might be gay, can you suck my dick so I know if I'm gay? If someone were to come to me now, I'd be like, alright, well, instead of just having sex." let's talk about it. Where are you feeling? Like gays usually go for sex to say hello. And that's funny when you're 30, but when you're 16, you need a better
2: foundation of what what it is to be gay. Did you come out of it on the other side with any positive?
1: I think the positive note that I took away from it was that, yeah, I'm gay. I'm not straight. I'm not bi. Um, I was starting to be more exposed to gay people outside the small community I grew up in. I started going to Tel Aviv, to the big city a bit more. I found the first sex store I ever went to. Didn't do anything, but like I saw a back room. I remember that. Um, He helped me in his own way, which was not the best way, but a way to come to terms with it, to see that it's okay to be more comfortable with it. My mom found out. (laughs) (sighs) um he and i went out way too late one night and when i got home she was awake and just interrogated me about what was happening and where was i and what was been happening for the last several months um and that's when i came out there that night as
2: bisexual still um tell me if this is uh not appropriate but like maybe he was an example of what you that was what you didn't want to be was that guy A
1: 100 percent, yeah he was a weak person i can see now um and it's very much like a how do i not want to be as a gay person as a doormat for other people just like sorry i'm gay you can do anything yeah and like as a 15 16 year old he just allowed me to do whatever the fuck i wanted and like you need to put a teenager in check especially a teenager with like rage issues and like my family like my mom was already sick so a lot of things started falling apart um and I was just like an angry teenager <laughs> surprise surprise um and instead of putting me in check and helping me he just like allowed me to go with my wildest things and a lot of things that were just not okay and I should not have done and which should have been stopped um he either allowed me or uh, facilitated physically um me doing and looking back at it, I was just like, this is not how you should help kids. Once I had, we had a computer room at home and I was more able to do it and find it and chat rooms became a thing, I was, it's all around the same ages to be honest, like 14 to 16 ages um, of just exploring and I was in mostly in chat rooms I've never said this to anyone. Um, I was mostly in chat rooms with straight dudes as a female. That's how I started it in chat rooms and like, enjoyed it and would jerk off to it. And then when I was more comfortable in being gay, I would try seeking out guys because I was like, it was the same thing that happened with the counselor. was like, I think I'm gay. I think I'm gay. Like I love dick. But also, like, life needs me to be straight. So what am I doing? Um, I met two or three guys at different points. And the first one, we actually kept in touch for a long time. He was actually a good guy. He lived maybe 30, 45 minutes away. We talked online for a while. He drove over to the Moshav, to where I was living. But there was nowhere to hook up like, I live with my parents. There's nothing but, like, houses and fields. And I was like, oh, we can go to the fields. But, like, we might get killed. And we decided, like, the safest, most remote place was probably the parking lot of the cemetery. And that's where I sucked my first dick. <laughs> in a car.
2: In the cemetery parking lot. You sucked him. Did he yeah. suck you? Yeah. And what did you notice... I don't know why I'm asking this, but I think it's it's interesting to know where we learn our technique. Like, did you guys exchange notes or? (laughs) No, (laughs) that's so weird. Um, I think I always had a
1: very natural oral inclination. I've always been told I'm good at oral sex. How was he? Not great. His dick was also weird looking. How so? Like a botched circumcision almost. Not the best I've ever seen, but he was a dick, and he was willing, and he was there. And when I was 15, 16, that's all I really needed. Um, We did stay in touch, and he was actually a better mentor. He was also fucked in the head, though. He was hating the fact that he was gay. Um, But he was also, he was older, um, but messed up. We also did a few trips to Tel Aviv together. I met him in Tel Aviv a few times. Uh, Yeah, I was always very independent. I could take the bus. Um, I knew what I was doing. My grandma lived in Tel Aviv, um, so I kind of knew the city, and had, like, a base. But I was always, from a young age, very independent, self-reliant, like, I could do it. My first anal was a boy I met at camp who was also Israeli, so we would meet up in Israel for two years almost, and have been fooling around and messing around and sucking around and obviously both gay. He lived in Tel Aviv. And once I got my driver license at 17, I would drive an hour and a half. We would hang out. And before I turned 18, my thing was to lose my virginity. And back then I was like, all right, I want my first time to be from love. I want it to be meaningful. I don't want to waste my first time. And a lot of my friends were like, no, I just want to get dick. The girls, at least. The boys were vagina, I guess they wanted. And a lot of kids were starting to do it way before me and I was horny all the fucking time. And I was like, alright, there is this boy that is accessible and they can do this. But I didn't want to turn 18 a virgin. Which is maybe not the best reason to have sex for the first time, but it was good enough for me. There's
2: plenty of straight people who do that.
1: Right? Yeah, it's not bad. It was more of a natural evolution because we, we would have sleepovers before that several times, but we would always keep it at dry humping and oral. And this one time I came over it in my head, I was kind of like, today's the day. I'm good. We're going to do it. I don't think that we had like a big lengthy conversation. It was just more like things rolled into place <laughs> <laughs> with consent
2: and then several times again. And, and did you know what you were doing? Like, yeah.
1: You know? By then I saw enough porn to understand the ins and outs of anal sex. Good for him for knowing how to douche, first of all. I'll give him props for that, because that took me longer. (laughs) Like, being a top is way easier. So you were the top first? Yeah, I was a total top. (laughs) People don't believe me now when they say it. Um, Like, the first, I started bottoming when I was 24.
2: Actually, I think I was the same, now that I think about it. I always had a lot of macho issues for me. It was just ignorance and not ever having somebody who, who could show me how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah it was yeah. just a lack of proper education. That's kind of why I'm asking you now, like, cause I feel like as gay people, sometimes we have to teach ourselves. Absolutely. But it sounds like he was pretty informed and, and that
1: you guys- I might have also caught him on a good night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if he physically douched before. Um, he was clean, though.
2: But you guys my did legs. it after
1: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was also a city boy living in Tel Aviv. I think his exposure was much more vast.
2: Yeah, I, my, bet, I bet. He um, may, may have had access to more information. Absolutely. Like, I grew up on a fucking farm. <laughs> Sounds like you were pretty lucky to find each other. Yeah,
1: yeah. I told you, summer camp saved my life in so many ways. Yeah, the...
2: Awesome girlfriends, the the first boy, the first boy. Yeah, oh, gosh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's awesome to have that, that in your life.
1: Yeah, and my best friend till this day is from then. First love is a boy named Hermes. He's actually from the Bay Area. We met in Nepal. I was on my year backpacking through Southeast Asia, and he was teaching English in Thailand. And we were both in Nepal at the same time. I was waiting on friends to arrive, and I was doing, like, homework about treks and hikes to do in the area. And he was just there on vacation. We started chatting on Grindr because we were both, like, Gay Americans in the same area of the city. So, meeting cool people along the way is something you do. And, like, I was staying in hostels and, like, it's a social environment. So, like, you always run in and out of people. Throughout that trip, I was running in and out of people. He was just different. Um, And he was like, I'm going on a hike tomorrow to this overlook of Kathmandu Valley. It's beautiful. It's a day hike. You take a cab to the start, you take a cab from the finish. It's cute. It's fun. Do you want to join me? And I was like, yeah, yeah, handsome American gay boy who I really want to have sex with. I will join you on this hike and hopefully have sex with you. I had breakfast the following day, meet him, we take a cab. I should mention in the car on the way to the start, he was like, I've I've tried this hike twice. Both times, once because of weather, second time because of his friends weren't up for it. They just stopped in the middle. He was like, this is my third time. I want to get to the top. This view is supposed to be... Phenomenal. And I was like, don't worry about it. I've been hiking for years. I love it. I can do it. I've been wanting to do this hike. Let's go. We start the hike. It's a beautiful day. We have great chemistry. He's nice. He's interesting. We're having a great time. And then my stomach just like, just like makes this awful noise. And I just look at him and I'm like, did you pack toilet paper? And he was like, yeah, you need some? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I might need to um, take care of business for a quick minute here. That started something like two, three hours of diarrhea going up the mountain. Which I'm suspecting is from breakfast that morning. Never have fish at tuna sandwich in a landlocked country. It's not, it's not fresh. So just really bad diarrhea. At the beginning, it was embarrassing to like this boy that I'm kind of interested in just has to see. And like... In the woods, <laughs> not the most private. But we just bonded over that instead of being um, ashamed or whatever about it. It was just kind of like, haha, your body hates you. <laughs> but I powered through. Um, we walked up. We took it slowly. He helped me. I helped him. Um, we had a great conversation throughout the mountain. We got to the top. It was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful view. We made out. I felt very gross, but we made out. (laughs) Because the walk took us way longer than it should have because of my body hating me. We finished the hike in complete darkness. Sun had already set. The gate to the park was locked. (laughs) We had to like jump the gate. We were later told that they were searching for us. Nepal is actually pretty good with day hikers and like monitoring people going in and out there was also civil unrest at the time so like that was important for them to make sure tourists are okay (laughs) but that started a three-year relationship that was very strange and on and off and mostly long distance i mean he lived in thailand at the time and i went to thailand three times to visit him we went together to india we went together to taiwan we went together we went together but separately to myanmar so like we would meet each other through Southeast Asia quite often, and then like back stateside, um, I came to him in California. He came to me in New York, and vice versa. When, when I, like when I finished my trip, I moved back to New York. He was com- contemplating between Asia and the states, and at the end, Asia won. He got just like a really good job opportunity in Bangkok, and took it, and he should have. Um, and we were together for another year or so, and it was hard. It's not only the distance, it's the time difference. Like it's, it's hard to communicate. It's hard to like have that. And like You don't even need to talk, but even texting is sometimes hard because they're asleep when you're awake. So it just like became very, very difficult. I was at school going through a lot. And the, the plan was, when I'm done in school, to move to Bangkok. Mm. <laughs> Did not happen. <laughs> that's, that's, Thank okay. God. Oh, my God. If I lived in... I don't know. Bangkok could have been fun. We broke up. Just around my birthday in July. It was just not working, and I was not willing to move my entire life for someone who was not willing to do much for me. Yeah. So it just kind of fell apart. It was on and off for a while, and yeah. we tried so many things to make it work at one point. And like, it's funny because, and so we were in a relationship, um, open relationship, but we would only sleep with couples. Because then you don't have that, like, I'll fall in love with someone, fear. But on the other hand, it's also, you're just having threesomes all the time now. (laughs) Um, But he was my first love and my first boyfriend and the first person I told him that I love him. Probably also the first person I told him I hate him and meant it (laughs) on both accounts. I have always been attracted to trans men. But I never wanted to sleep with a trans guy as a fetish. Like, I didn't want to seek out a trans dude to fuck a trans dude or have sex with a trans dude. I, I, I wanted it to happen. I wanted it to just be organic. Um, and over 4th of July weekend in Seattle Camping Grounds, TRC, um, I met this really, really handsome trans man. Off the bat, I knew he was trans because I walked past him and his partner and all could, he, he was mentioning that he forgot his dick in the tent. <laughs> so I just turned around to the 180 and was like, what did you say? I'm sorry, what did you do with your dick? And he was very open about it and was like, yeah, it's like my pack thing for me to like have a bulge. And I was like, Wait, what? And then his boyfriend physically took my hand and put it in his partner's pants. And there was a vagina. And I was like, whoa. Okay. Hot. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> we chatted a little bit through the party. We made out a couple of times. We both made it very clear that we want to have sex with each other. The partner was on board as well. Not necessarily to join, but like for us to have fun. But the party happens, and like we each go our different ways, and things evolve through the night. Um, and I had to take care of my air mattress, and I had to do it in a, with a car pump. My friend Jason had his truck there, and I was filling the air mattress on his truck on the bed of the truck. And this guy, the trans guy from earlier, walks by. I call him over, and we start chatting, and we start making out again, and then we start. He started sucking my dick, and then I was like, "There's a mattress here in the flatbed of the truck. (laughs) What to sit on me?" (laughs) And very quickly he was sitting on me, we were having really good sex. This was at the parking lot of TRC. So, and like not far away from the main party venue. So we got an audience at some point, which made him feel awkward. Um, So we moved into the truck (laughs) from the back. We moved to the back seat and then to the front seat. Um, (laughs) Defiled that truck for sure. We were both very much intoxicated and on drugs and stuff and it was a messy night and dark night and the car is not the most easy and sexy place for any sex, let alone the sex I'm not very familiar with. Um, but I was into it and we were having a great time and um, one of my prides and joys as a sexual person is my oral abilities and he blew me really well. So I wanted to return the favor. um, And he like physically said, suck my dick. And I went for it. And that was my first time face to face with a vagina or not, I mean, front hole, I think is the most correct term, right? My personal favorite, which is not PC is man cave. It was my first time with um, that body part. And because of the hormones, the clit was engorged obviously and bigger. And that was my first time ever with the clit. So did you go for it? I went for it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I dove right in. Um, I was very lost. Because it's you want it to be like eating ass, but it's not at all. And he was trying to guide me what to do, but I was confused and kind of lost and trying to be like, no, I'm doing it. I know what to do. Um, but it was not the best. And maybe that was another embarrassing sex moment of just like floundering Cungalingus. I mean, first time first time, I, I I'll go back to it. He was super nice about it and like he didn't say, "Wow, that was awful. <laughs> I felt like that was awful and like because I put myself to a high esteem of oral sex, not doing that great for him, felt like bad, but I fucked him really well. Like really well. We both had a fantastic time. I, I don't know that I have a technique or a move or like a, I do this thing with my tongue I don't I just go with it and I feed off the vibe um, I think for oral sex eye contact is super important um, and really elevates it just like having that connection and no gag reflex
2: helps what do you think it is about the eye contact that's important to you that sort of connection
1: it makes it real it makes it personal it elevates it from just a blowjob to a connection that you're feeling. So it's like the physical and the emotional combining to give you a bigger, better yeah. experience. Even if you don't have a connection with the dude, right? Yeah. Like it can be whoever, but the moment that you're so physical with each other and so <laughs> inside each other and your eyes interlock and there's that passion and desire, like you're having fun, it's, it's a moment. My favorite is them standing and me on my knees which I understand for a lot of tops gets either tiring or they want to sit or they want to lay down but that is my absolute favorite both for eye contact it's kind of easier and for just like getting face fucked it's the best. That's why I'm not a big fan of glory holes and that's why when people ask me if I'm kinky I am but not with everyone and we were actually having this conversation the other day about can sluts be picky? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, that's, just because you're easy, just because you're promiscuous and down to do a lot, doesn't mean you're down to do it with everyone. And people sometimes don't understand that, and I don't love that. Um, So my blowjobs are my fame. Quote, unquote. So, and, like, I never get feedback from people about sex on the spot. I would never want that, I think. But the one thing I get that people like that I do is, I get a lot of facials and people say that they can see the happiness. (laughs) Hashtag cumbeard. I'm really bad at social media so I keep forgetting to actually hashtag my stuff, but whatever, I post um, enough. Um, And yeah, and like the the most frequent comment I'll get, a positive comment would be um, the smile I have on my face after I get (laughs) a load. People relate to that in general and to my porn in general that I create. Because it's genuine. Yeah. It's just me having a good time. It's not produced. It's not a studio. It's me and my camera. If people don't want to film it, I don't do it. If they do, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's very real and people connect to it. I'm not a model or want to be a model or go to the gym ever. <laughs> um, I just have a good time and I think people relate to it. And that's the key.
2: Yeah, totally. Having fun. I mean, if you're not having fun having sex, then... What's the what point? are you doing? Yeah,
1: <laughs> a week after my army service in Israel, I was in New York, and that first year was a whirlwind of dick and ass. It was just insane. <laughs> I went through a lot sexually with that, like, because New York is the opposite—that a hundred percent opposite of where I grew up. Mm-hmm. It's everything I wanted since I was sixteen. I wanted to move to New York. It's so easy. It's just ridiculous. But it was also like I would go out to parties and things on the hunt. And then I was successful or a failure based on did I have sex? How much sex? Was it good? Which looking back at it is like I could have hung out with friends. I could have made deeper, better conversations and connections with people. <laughs> but like I was a horny 20-something year old living his Best goddamn life in New York City.
2: I personally think everyone should go through that. When you're just like, okay, I am at my sexual peak. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna just fuck as much as I can. I don't know if I was peaking.
1: (laughs) Well, you definitely definitely, now, right? Um, But definitely sexual um, strength. Yes. Um. Yeah, I am so happy I lived in New York in my twenties. I mean, I went through all of the stages. I think, or most of them, from like meeting guys online one-on-one and moving to the big city and doing groups and getting into my bathhouse phase and doing only one-night stands. I had a very strong like no repeats thing. And now I only do repeats or I only have sex with people I've already established a connection with. I don't do one-night stands. It's an evolution of what floats my boat and what makes me happier. It's gone from very promiscuous and uh, anonymous sex to, so this last bear week, a couple weeks ago that I went to in Provincetown, I had a week boyfriend, which I have never done for an event. And my first bear week, I was very much getting around. And I only slept in my own bed two nights out of the 12 nights I was there. And this year I slept with one dude for five nights. We were also very, both on the same sexual wavelength, so we had several group encounters through the week. Um, But yeah, um, hookups have changed tremendously for the better, almost always. I still find myself sometimes at 2 a.m. still on grinder for no reason, um, but I feel smarter about it these days. And more like, okay, I can just jerk off and go to sleep, I don't need to do this. Consent is sexy and consent can be given in many ways and forms, but it can also always be taken away in many ways and forms. And that's always okay and that's always respectful, and you always have to be mindful and okay with it. It's yeah. definitely a hot topic as well, especially like in an event like Dory Alley that we're in right now. Um, yeah, just because I'm walking around in a jock doesn't mean I want to. Have everyone touch me. Maybe I want you to touch me or him to touch me, but not him. Um, and people need to be okay with that.
0: Football interviews are edited for clarity and brevity and are approved by each interviewee before being released. Visit fruitbowlpodcast.com where you can learn more about this episode, browse the episode archive, and watch original videos. Help support Fruit Bowl's efforts to collect, archive, and share personal stories about queer coming of age by making a small monthly donation through Fruit Bowl's Patreon membership. Patrons get early access to episodes, behind-the-scenes updates, and occasional bonus content. Larger donations and sponsorships are tax deductible through Fruit Bowl's fiscal sponsorship with Seattle's Northwest Film Forum. Fruit Bowl collects histories from all different backgrounds and experiences. Cisgender women, trans and genderqueer individuals, black people, indigenous people, and people of color. It's only by collecting diverse stories that we can begin to see what unites us. Interested in sharing your story? Find out more about the interview process including a full list of questions and news about future production. Visit fruitbowlpodcast.com for links and contact information. Fruit Bowl is created, produced, and edited by Dave Quantic. I'm Sarah B. This has been a production of Cubed Media, LLC. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening.